Welcome to Hunters and Unicorns. I'm Simon Kutis and I'm joined by my co-host Ollie Kune. Great to be back in the studio. And it's an absolute pleasure to be joined by Ollie Krebs. Ollie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it to be here. It's great. Absolute pleasure having you in the studio Wonderful. today, Ollie. Hello, Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So by way of an introduction, Ollie, you've had an illustrious career spanning, a sales career spanning over 30 years. Uh, within that, 15 President's Clubs, five acquisitions, one IPO, two chairman circles at BMC, and you were, you were part of the original BMC crew, one of the first hires in the European market. So it's an incredible, incredible career. So we're really, really grateful to have you on the show and most importantly, welcoming you here in the studio. It's really great to have you in person with us. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think you're actually alluding to the first Blade Logic, not BMC. Sorry, you're absolutely right. I, I, I stand corrected. One of the original Blade Logic crew. That's good, yeah. I you... used so many Bs in my career, so that's okay. <laughs> um, Yeah, because obviously you were joined with Luke Lazaron and obviously uh, one other, wasn't it? Was another one, uh, uh, Mike Beckett, actually. Now I okay. remember the name, who was Amazing. a phenomenal pre-sales colleague at that time and started leading the pre-sales team as well. Yeah. Uh, was uh, really interesting. Yeah, two, 2005, so a few years before the BMC acquisition, yes. so right at the very beginning. Yes. Correct. Amazing. Amazing. Well, we're going to talk more about that because actually that's a really important part of the foundations of, of how you've developed and how you've grown as a, yeah. as a pr pr uh, pr practitioner. But actually, I want to start by talking a little bit about the European landscape, because predominantly the software sales industry, kind of enterprise kind of infrastructure type and application type um, technologies have been dominated by West Coast. But actually, the European market is making, we're seeing a lot of changes in the European market. And just really want to start off by understanding your, your, your perception of that and, and what you're seeing in the market right now. Yeah, I, there's, that's a big change, at least from my point of view, being in Germany, being German, of course, uh, we have interesting views either way. But um, yeah, what I saw over the last years was really that the, the classical way was normally from the West Coast via the UK and then into, into Europe. And what I see lately, um, I would say last five to eight years, is really that European uh, software and SaaS companies are, are going and, and, and starting fast up uh, and actually now doing the other way around, going over to the US step by step. It's, it, it's really interesting. And um, also, I think innovation, the innovation hub, which was normally in Silicon Valley, is now in other countries. Just look at the Eastern European countries as well. It is amazing what comes out of it. Um, uh, or the Estonian company. So... Um, Bridging over to the fintech industry, uh, this is this is phenomenal what's going on there. And uh, yeah, it's uh, made in, in Europe uh, with all pros and cons when it comes to this kind of stuff. And um, yeah, what I also see is that we uh, um, the 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 setup of the companies is also a little bit different to the US, and that's also sometimes a quite interesting conflicting area. Mm especially when you go over to the US, it's it's a different way to open up the US than the other way around. And um, a few few of the, the companies around me uh, struggled with this uh, because I thought it's the same way how you do it in Europe, you can do it in the US, and uh, it doesn't work this way. That's quite cool. It's, it's similar, so for example, sometimes it is like um, 
USA as a uh, British person go over and try to sell tea to coffee drinkers. That's what it is in the end of the day, right? You're going over there. And that, we don't care about this regulations, for example, just thinking about my existing uh, gig right now with, with Onfido is really, uh, they don't have this. They see this different. So, and that's something uh, you always need to be aware of when you want to go over. It's quite fun. Why, why do you think that is that we're seeing more European startups? I think the one thing is, uh, in the early days, you had to go over to to the West Coast to to build something because that was the way how to be innovative. And nowadays, you see the different countries and the different, let's say, the um, uh, markets are opening up and allowing uh, entrepreneurs to be creative in your own country. You don't have to be go over there anymore. The other thing, to be really honest, is of course COVID. Hmm. There was no chance to go over there. So you had to do it here. And um, I think many people figured out, actually, I can do it in another nice place. So that's, I th that's I think, just accelerated big time. So COVID in, in itself, I think, pushed Europe five years ahead in, in everything. Now, of course, uh, all governments are not that fast, so mm. they, 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 but that's a different yeah. conversation. Have you seen more European-based venture capitalists and more European-based VCs popping up? I see more. Uh, I have to admit that I don't have that many interactions mm. with VCs, but I see more. And I also see, especially when it comes to the customers I'm serving today, they are all at least have a, a bigger portion of their VC or venture capital uh, or capital portfolio coming from European mm. investors. And um, because this is sometimes also nowadays when, when, when you have entrepreneurs, they are also looking for some cultural investment as well. So they don't want to have these guys coming in saying, I give you 20 million. And uh, by the way, if you don't hit the numbers in two, two months time, I'm taking my money out again. They want advice. They want to have partners on their journey. And in my personal opinion, I'm quite sure uh, the European investors are providing this because they did it. They are not just money. They are experienced. They are uh, business angels or sometimes like this. And they, they're investing culture and wisdom and everything else. So, mm. Are you finding that obviously historically uh, there was this culture where you start up and the first objective is let's get out to the US. But now perhaps there's more patience to incubate technology in European markets to kind of establish some sort of product market fit before making your way across to to the US? Or do you think the appetite is still, let's get to a certain milestone and then let's get to the US as quickly right. as possible? I mean, let's be honest, the US market is the market. I mean, that's, you know, that's where you want to go. And uh, I, you, I, what I see is when you have experience managers if you have experienced leaders of companies they they say you know ho ho let's slow down a little bit to speed up later on by the way one of john mcmahon's <laughs> most used sentences with me um is really that you can see this and then you have uh, have very young entrepreneurs uh, smart people don't get me wrong however they 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 read somewhere us is the one so everything is built to go to the us for example and they forgot their home market and um, it's. I think it's always a a, a like yeah, a little bit like chess, that you need some patience. Then you need to go, and then you need to take the risk. But don't put everything you know uh, over there. And also, when you speak to uh, venture capital um, companies today, the way how they want to give money is they want something in return. They want the 
the uh, founders and the entrepreneurs to think about, okay, where do I spend my money next to get business back instead of what is the next cocktail I'm serving on the next event I'm going to. And that's the difference we are seeing over the last 12 months now. That's exactly, uh, um, yeah. I saw this a lot. Yeah. Where Because there was so much, I mean, it is also, if you, if you get a lot of money, you need to find a way to spend it mm. and not waste it. Spending and wasting are two different things, right? And um, sometimes this is this is where I think a little bit more guidance, a little bit more support from the experts, from the VCs, or from the whatever is should be should be um, uh, provided. To be honest, do you think that there's going to have to be an adaptation of the sales culture to meet what some of these European companies are bringing over to the US, or do you think it's going to be the other way around? Those European companies need to adapt to the US sales culture. Yeah, I, I. I'm a big fan of saying, and that's the beauty of our job in sales, is you need to adapt to every culture. You can't go somewhere and saying, okay, the way how I, I, I sell the way how I do it, for example. The way how you sell in Germany is completely different to the way how you sell in the Netherlands or even the US, um, or completely different when you go to Japan. I think this is, I think this is the biggest kaleidoscope I can think. US, Germany, and Japan are so different. Uh, because the cultures and the, the way how you see things are so different. So, for example, if you sell something in Germany where you say, okay, I can tell you exactly what your people are doing, you get immediate pushback because no one wants to uh, check on people. Now, I had I had uh, in my career one very interesting conversation where it was where I provided, um, it was actually, it was uh, Avexa, so it was uh, Identity Access Management, where we could lock who, who uh, connected to the system and when they disconnected. In Germany, Workers Council said, you need to stop this. You can't do this. And then, of course, we stopped it. But then the Japanese guys came in and said, are you nuts? We want to show everyone the how, how um, our people work, how much they work. Now, being the CISO in this place, I don't want to be in this place because, okay, how do I juggle this? And that's the point how you sell is to say, okay, the business case are different. Mm. And um, that's something how you need to adapt. Mm. And and that's uh, always a very interesting journey. Which has obviously got to change the nuances of product market fit, right? So yeah. when you're establishing that and there's very early stages, you know, you need to, I suppose, be creative and flexible that when you move from a geo perspective, yeah. you need to you need to take that into consideration. Absolutely. And and the other thing is as well, you also need to save again, I'm, I'm always I'm, I love to use the German and uh, US difference. So we Germans, we want to see everything from every angle, right? It takes longer in Germany to sell something. Now, that doesn't mean it needs needs more time. It just mean, needs more effort because we need to answer at least twice as much questions than what you need to do in the US because the US little bit still, you know, Wild West uh, mentality sometimes, hey, let, let's do it, right? But on the other hand, if you win a German customer, this customer stays with you much longer, is more loyal to this decision than a US customer. And then don't even mean this in any shape or form, negative or positive on both sides, but this is, if you know this, mm. then also you can manage the expectations much better mm. on both I, sides. I suppose it's going to be opening up a lot more opportunities for European-based CROs. Right. I yes. think, you know, if you look at the the market, 95 percent, probably U.S., if not more. Probably more. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, opportunities now for, for CROs to come, you know, from in Europe is probably going to be something that's going to grow. I, I think so. Yes. It's also because the the um, the way how 
sales management and everything else works with coming with the cultural aspect as well, especially nowadays, the, the generations of salespeople we manage nowadays want to get managed differently, right? You can't be this uh, beat them up guy or something like this. You need to, you need to advise and you need to uh, make sure people understand and want to go this way instead of commanding them. It's a different story. It's leading instead of commanding. And um, having said this, this is, I think, more in the culture of Europe, mm -hmm. to be honest, to also understand this. And if you bring this over to the US, um, I personally believe then you have an advantage because these are clear, let's say, things people all over the world want to work with. So that yeah. could be very could be the advantage you need sometimes. Yeah, I think obviously on that on that on that point, you know, you speak about management, and we were talking off air um, about the lack of training that yeah. is freely available for yeah. for managers. Do you want to just share a bit of information on? Yeah, what I so I, as you said, it's actually thirty two years. I have to admit, I'm in the business, and uh, uh, I had the luxury when I started my career outside of my job training. I I started my career uh, at Oracle, actually. So, and don't get me wrong, this will not be a long CV discussion here. But uh, <laughs> I I just want to say, so when I when I joined Oracle, I got a a full training six months, right where. You touch every division. You you get you get trained on how to speak, how to present, all this kind of stuff. Uh, my next journey from there was BMC Software. The same thing. Everyone who is uh, around my age knows where when we went to Houston, you had two weeks of onboarding in class, eight hours. The classical American way: you start at eight o'clock, they bring the, the the temperature down to minus ten degrees. I still don't know why, but that's a different story. And um, you had to do. Uh, um, tests and at the end of the week if you didn't pass it you had you you went home now we can't do this nowadays anymore but just say <laughs> but the point for me was that you got really trained and i had the same at blade logic and a few other and it stopped a few years ago it stopped because yes people get much come into this business much more educated uh, and trained and but this is all in theory they read books um i don't want to give you the example i'm normally giving that's what we're doing later but has to do with a, a different story. So, but the point is really, they are not getting trained on the craft of what they're doing. They they all want to jump immediate into this is an art. So I I personally want to for myself want to bring sales into an art for myself, but you need to learn the craft, right? I learned um, it's um, carving with a uh, wood carving or wood things. I learned this from my granddad, and the first thing he did. Uh, was gave me a freaking piece of wood and a knife. And the only thing I had to do is uh, slice as thin as possible for six hours. I said, I thought I can build a bird or something. And I said, no, you need to learn how it, the wood feels, how the knife feels, how this whole interacts with each other together. It's a little bit like Mr. Miyagi, right? <laughs> wax on, wax, <laughs> wax on. Yeah, so that's the point. We are not doing this nowadays anymore. We don't take the time. And I think that's that bites us in the end because... Um, we're trying to skip this, and you always have that. And by the way, I'm I'm guilty myself as well. You hire people; they are smart, they are fast, they are hungry, they want to sell something. And after the first in, initial week, we we let them go on the street and try out something and ask them, okay, hey, you are with the company you know, two months. What did you sell so far? When you have a sales cycle of six months, I mean, how can you ask it? So that's the point where I think we should. I, I would love to go back to this time where we take enough time to get people audible ready, understand the company, become Mr. or Mrs. Company, 
and represent it in the right way. Because how can you how can you understand what a customer needs uh, when you don't understand the language? And and that's that's one point. And it's and it starts with the individual contributors, but it starts also then with the managers, right? There's no manager training out there anymore. We don't take the time to say someone who was is an amazing salesperson. And I saw this with, with many uh, uh, women and men I, I work with where phenomenal people sold millions of dollars and then said, you become a manager now. And then the next day they are manager. And no one trained them how to do this. No, the, the pitfalls you're falling into because you're, you're losing the right to be on stage. So what happens, and I'm got, you guys work with a lot of people as well, they become the super AEs, right? Yeah. They, they go, go out of my way, I'm doing this, right? And you don't want this. It doesn't, it doesn't scale. And um, I, I really, I would love to start a, a motion towards saying, let's make sure we help our first-line manager colleagues to, uh, how, what does that mean? What, what hits you? You, you? you don't have to deal with your own black hole. You have to deal with five, six, seven black holes every quarter, right? When things are going right. Uh, sorry, it's good. things are going wrong. When everything is fine, yeah, it's easy, right? Then sales is easy. Mm. But wait for when the storm comes, when it gets dark. Then this this is so important. I don't want to bore you too much with that. I can go on for hours because I, I personally believe. And then you also, if you do this right, and you give perspective, not just career-wise, but also, hey, I can bring you to the next level, right? So like, uh, dear, my, my Padawan, I bring you to the next level. Um, I think it's also a... a, a a, a possible uh, way of keeping people and bring the churn down, especially on the management side of the house. It's uh, yeah. I, th I think, as you say, I think you know the, the the management. What makes a good manager, and you know, you've got the difference. As I said, you know, levels of management. You've got first line, second, third line, right? And yeah. so each of those have different responsibilities. But the subject in itself is probably an episode in itself. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, because. Yeah. Every, every human being is different and you can't treat everyone the same. And you shouldn't. I mean, that's, that's the beauty of us humans. We are all different. Mm. And we are in times where we celebrate difference. So let's make sure that different people also need uh, um, different ways of uh, help. Uh, sometimes uh, different ways of laugh and support. And that's, that's what we should go for. I, I'm a big advocate for this. And people make mistakes, so. So good. Yeah. I think there should probably be, you know, I think everybody's natural instinct of progression and career progression is management. And I think, you know, John McMahon, you know, said it himself, right? Do you really understand? Do you really understand what it is that you're taking on yes. to be a manager? And I think there should probably be a, a taster course as well, right? <laughs> yeah. Is this something you want to do? Do you understand what it is that, you know, you're taking on here? Yeah. And, and the other side as well is to, uh, because it is one thing to get us, a person to become a manager, but what is with the team? Mm. Because normally there's a team already, right? So how do you help to get this into this level and say, by the way, you are not the best friend anymore. Yeah, That doesn't mean you have to be an asshole, but uh, there's someone in between. You lose the right to be on stage. You are not the, AE, the super AE, um, that kind of stuff. And the way of thinking is not, what is what is the best for me? What is the best for the company? Mm. Um, and that's I I personally believe uh, the first line manager position is the is the hardest position you can have 
mm. especially when you don't have coaching and guidance because it's you feel left alone your manager is asking you every two minutes where's the, where's the numbers and your team asks okay where's my pipeline yeah and yeah. you're in between and then yeah. you need to <laughs> juggle around with it and if you if you put someone in who never did this before yeah it's, it's like, way. it's like parenting isn't it yeah. you know it's kind of you know what's the right thing to do should i stop my child from falling over if i keep doing that and i'm you know I'm, yeah you've got to allow them to make those mistakes but yeah. in the right environment and yeah. So they don't make too much a bigger mistake. Catch them before they fall. I think is the, is the yeah. It's saying, it's, it's it? and, and it's a middle way. And again, it's also a generational thing, right? When you, when we think about the generation X, Z, whatever we have out there, mm. um, and especially nowadays, it is quite hard to maneuver through the different ways how you you know you can mm. you say something which you mean in a very good intent. Yeah. I'm, listen, I'm German. <laughs> I'm not that. a native speaker, <laughs> but I'm. I say things because I'm sometimes translate, translating the German sentences direct. Right. <laughs> and then I say something, said, I said, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Um, and, and sometimes, and it's, I, I think also a culture thing is sometimes it is okay to be insecure and, and or do something wrong. As long as, listen, don't get me wrong, there, there are always clear lines you shouldn't pass, no matter mm -hmm. what, but that's a human thing. Yeah. It's not manager or not. But that's what I mean is that we we throw these people sometimes in and um, they and then leave them alone, mm. right? Some I, it's unfair. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it's when people when when you rely upon you know as a manager you're incentivized not no no longer by your own target but by a group target. So yeah. now you, you've got to there's got to be a balance in you know as you said being the super superman. Um, super A, I think it is, isn't it? Superhero leader. Super he, superhero leader, right? Yeah. You know, you've got to you've got to take that responsibility, allow people to fall, but at the same time, you've got to have that selfless act of, do you know what? Yes, I've got to hit my targets, um, but at the same time, the balancing act between allowing them to make mistakes and missing your target because yeah. you know they're doing something wrong. What's right? What's wrong? Yeah. But it's that's a point. Plus, also, mm. I I personally believe it is our job as managers to make our colleagues successful. So, what does success mean? It's of course the numbers, KPIs, but there's so much more behind it. It is, and um, giving them the time to build personal improve, uh, personal uh, development plans, all this kind of stuff. We, we're missing this now. It's so fast everything and. Uh, Beginning of the quarter, you talk about value-based selling, and at the end of the quarter, you say, "I don't care, just get the money." In. <laughs> um, and that's and, and 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 juggling this and 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 this is this is hard stuff. Yeah. I, I I as I said, I had the pleasure to learn from from amazing managers, um, and they all had their different styles, right? Uh, Luca Lazzaron with his Italian style, which uh, is phenomenal. Uh, um, John McMahon asking two questions, you're sweating like hell, <laughs> um, uh, and others. It's, it's just, and, and um, we don't take the time nowadays to do mm. this anymore. And I, that's, that's what I really appreciate in my career, with, especially these two gentlemen, I mm. have to say, and others. So that's a, that's a good, actually, good place to go because, you know, you started at Oracle, you were then kind of brought into Blade Logic very early on. You, you stayed for a short period of time, a few years. With BMC, you were part of Aveska, you were part of Perfecto. So you stayed quite loyal to that to that crew. Yeah, yeah. What is it you kind of developed and learned at the various stages of that part of your journey? It was 
I, I so f- first of all, it was it was an amazing chance for me to get into this into this ecosystem around this 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 fine uh, mm-hmm. uh, men and women, and for me it was always the the loyalty was not a one way street. So I I know I can go to everyone I had in my career uh, uh, and can go back and ask for help. So they they built something which is an amazing ecosystem. Um, of course, there there's two three things where you belong to which side of the house you are, you like it or not. But um, it was always a performance driven culture, and it was a culture of respect, and um, that's what I really like. And I um, I learned I learned the craft of selling. I have to say it's uh, uh, from really every step. So if, if we talk about Medpick, Medic that time, and then of course we you know we needed a new version just to write new books. But in the end of the day, Medic or Medpick uh, was something which which changed everything for me. And uh, if you, I'm not sure if you had Luca Lazaron already, if you have him one day, um, it, it it took me a long time to adapt this uh, because it calls your baby ugly. You know, we don't want to go in a Medpick session now. But for me, Luca took the time to to explain to me why. So they answered the why questions. They explained why are we doing this and why if you use it, you will be successful. And it did work. You, I, I have to say, you need to like this way of doing things. That That's another thing. It's not for everyone because it's also, this is not a job then, right? If you, if you are in this ecosystem, you want to, uh, you will be successful, but you need to invest. So to just tell us a little bit about that interaction with Luca. So you're saying that, you know, Luca was really, really kind of good at helping to explain the why. Just, just tell us, some of the detail around that just give us you know some insight into you know what what that might look like and then what what kind of advice he was sharing in that moment with you yeah so first of all uh all of these gentlemen uh always you knew they did it before it's starting with that i i'm a big fan of if you want to teach someone you should have done it yourself so it's starting with that and they clearly did this and um with Luca was uh, who who took the time with me. He um, look at Luca still has because I spoke to him lately. Um, has two three things when you exactly know when he gets in the Italian mode. Let's say it this <laughs> way, and um, and he he was patient enough to repeat it, and then said, "Okay, if you do this, this and this will happen." And. Uh, it did happen, so that's the point. Is it and of course not giving up. Sometimes when you have young people, I was quite young still that time. Uh, you have other ideas, and um, and it was a journey. Don't ex- and that's the other thing, right? So what? Coming back to this, uh, sorry, I need to go back to this um, education stuff again. You can't put people in for one week in a room, blow the stuff into their brains, and then leave them alone, saying, "So I trained you. Now do it. Now it's doing it again, trying it again." Luca came with me to to uh, customer meetings, and let me do my thing, and then afterwards gave me uh, a radical candor on it and and positive feedback, negative feedback, and saying, okay, we'll do it next time this way, but without making me feel bad or low or whatever, just uh, explained it, and um, then waited for this one moment. It has to make click, right? That's the most important thing, and that was with Medpick for me. Um, after a few months, I have to admit, but that's okay. 
that's fine. But that's why I can nowadays I take the patience with people as well, saying I you can't just see it right now. You have to do it. And the other thing is what I really like is is that um, I I. I put this in the preparation that I call it the Asterix and Obelix culture, yeah. right? So I've, if you're okay, I'm, I'm, I want to touch on this one. So the mm. the reason why I use this always is for me this, you can have, in my pers- in my world, and uh, whoever listens to this knows exactly where I'm going now here, is um, when I think about Asterix and Obelix, you can either have the Legionnaires or you can have the village. So the Legionnaires are people who are, of course, on a command, they can build a turtle out of their shields. I'm quite no, you remember which one is? I think it's against Rome. And um, what they're doing is, it's perfect because they do exactly what you want, which is great if you're a big enterprise, because they you need 200 people doing exactly what you need in the time you need it. However, these people need the commands to do it, and. I'm not that kind of guy. What I always love with 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 around Luca and and John McMahon was, they wanted individuals and they trained us to use the tools in our way, and didn't try to force us to do it exactly as they do. Right? If you see me today trying to be a funny German, right, and you see others who were in this, they are all different characters and that's why i love this analogy with the this um uh, galleon village so much you have first of all the real bosses in the village are the women so hey <laughs> so it's already great and but everyone is different everyone does things different as long and what i really like is then there's some of course everyone has their own opinion what i want in my teams as well i want own opinions however when it comes to the greater good of the of the village or the company or the team Everyone stands together. Forget about if, if we love each other or not. Get it done. And, and that, that's the culture I, I, I was learning from this uh, uh, over my career. And I'm, I'm trying to always, hopefully, um, get into my teams and, and my uh, areas. So you've, you've spoken about, obviously, a lot of the things that you really learned and, and they've served you well. Obviously, sales has evolved. The way that customers buy has yeah. changed. There's lots of, you know, the demands are different. So what have you kept, but also what have you perhaps not kept or changed or adapted for, for kind of the more modern approach? Um, so I personally believe uh, since human beings are on this planet, people buy from people. That will never change. That's my that's the core of my, my believing when it comes to, to selling. So that means as long as I'm not to, tr- to sell something because of the selling, but trying really to solve a problem on the other side, um, this will stay always the same. I, I didn't change much in the way how I sell, to be really honest, because I personally believe is I need to understand what the customer needs. And then I have to be very clear if I can solve the problem, yes or no. And using the word no helps a lot as well. I call it a magic. One of the magic words no is saying, okay, no, we can't do it. And um, there are many customers and contacts in my career where it started with a no and turned into an amazing deal or project or relationship. Um, so the core, the, the fundamental of selling, I personally believe, and happy to have a bigger discussion, with it, didn't change because it's the still thing Someone needs something and I have I can provide. Or someone doesn't know he or she needs something and I tell them I have a solution for you for a problem you didn't have before. Um, but always be integer and be be honest. Uh, and that's the point. And then of course the 
the the tools you use today are different. The rules change, right? When I started, my first my first real startup was Proxima Technology, which was a spin-off out of BMC Software, uh, 1999, a long time ago. And it took me six months of cold calling to get my first meeting. So I learned really the hard way how to do this. But it was allowed to call people, right? In Germany, you are not allowed to call people without consents. I think it's, and it's every, even more countries starting doing this. So, and then look at the networking platforms. This is a one-way street. Really, you are, try today to, to reach out to a customer or difficult prospect or whatever. If, he do, if she or he doesn't know you, they don't answer you. But if they want something, they're coming back to you. So I think this whole cultural thing changed a little bit. Or going, when you go on events and you have 99% of the people are, are salespeople and there's this one poor customer or prospect running <laughs> around. It's always like sharks going after uh, Nemo, right? But um, um, yeah, coming back to your question, um, I didn't change much on the fundamentals of how I sail because I, I base everything on something I learned from my granddad. My dad is called the Hanseatic way, which is in my link profile. I don't explain what Hanseat is now. So who is interested has to Google it. But in the end of the day, it is, it was always be an honest salesperson. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, it's true. So honest salesperson is something can happen. Um, what does that mean? Help us understand. What, what, what does so that? What listen, does... I, I, it sometimes it belongs to when you're in sales, um, we always getting into we get always put into boxes. You have the marketeer, you have the salesperson, and so on. Then salespeople are always just going out for dinner, for for lunch, and bringing a deal home. I, I'm overpainting this now, mm. and that's not true because I think it's it is okay. I I'm I'm proud of who I am, and I'm proud that I'm a salesperson. When was the last time you heard someone from sales saying this? Mm. Not often. I'm I think it's the best job in the world. I don't want to be anything else, and. That means for me also is I ha I can show this also to my prospect and customers. If you don't want to sell, buy something with me, that is okay. Mm. But at least let's be on eye level that I'm, when I'm here, I'm here to help you. I'm not here to beg for your business. So it's always has to be eye to eye contact. And that's something. Uh, and if I can't sell you anything, that's also fine. Then I'm not mad. I'm not, I'm not talking to you anymore or something like this. It is what it is, yeah. and I think that's 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 a a general way of of doing things. Yeah. And I'm I'm by the way, and the other thing is really when I ask a question to a customer, I'm really interested. I want to know how this works, and um, I think that's the fundamentals of everything: it's people interacting with people. You can't auto. I mean, I saw see all this AI stuff, and I told my bosses already said, guys, whatever you try, you will never automate sales. It will not happen. It's always this one thing where you need a human being in the in the whole interaction. Do you, do you think that, you know, customers, whether it's a CTO, CIO, or just a, a manager of a particular IT department, do you think they're getting wiser to being sold at and sold to? Yes. I mean, the, the other thing is, of I mean, look at how, because of all the technology and the applications we have, I, I think the broad variety, how people can get into my, because I'm, when I'm uh, hiring or whatever, I have hundreds of headhunters coming after me and trying to sell me their services, right? Mm -hmm. So, and and they try automated things, right? And all this kind of stuff where um, this is, of course, something I, I can't imagine being, and then putting, uh, looking at another box, the CIO, what you just said. So mm -hmm. the, let's say normally the, um, uh, 
the victims of a salesperson, let's call it this way, <laughs> they get 600, 700 emails per day trying to sell something that they are mad with salespeople. Yes. So that's why, why we need to find a way how to do this right. And this automation stuff doesn't make it better. Quantity vs. quality means for me, okay, if I just write an email to someone and say, hey, I have the best product in the world, hey, he gets 600 emails of this. So, But if I take the time to understand and maybe do some stuff and catch his or her um, attention, then I have the chance. If, if, if I get to a conversation, then we're going in the right direction. And, and yes, they, they, of course, listen, when we have sales trainings, they have, I had once in my career, I found a way to go to sneak into a purchasing training. Uh, after two hours, I found out I'm a salesperson. And, uh, but it was really interesting because they really trained the purchasing guys against our training, how to go deal with them. Which I said, this is unbelievable what's going on here. And, um, but I learned a few things, uh, what they're doing, right? You know, getting the, cold, the room colder, make sure you sit on two different opposite positions when you have just one sales guy in the room. So yes, they, they get trained and they get, of course, uh, also protected. And also the other thing is, uh, especially when it comes to C-suite, do you really need to talk to them? Mm -hmm. right? That's the other thing. If I mm -hmm. sell something for, I, I make it up, $200,000, I don't need to speak to the, the CIO of SAP. He doesn't stand up for this or she in this case. Um, that's the point. And, and I think it's all coming back again to, okay, when do I do the call? And um, again, it's always come back to experience training and uh, also different ways. But yeah, they get trained definitely. Yeah, because obviously it's only going to get worse. Yes. You know, there's more technology coming yes. out. The, the surface area of the software generally is, is increasing, you know, rates of knots. So... Do you, what what are your predictions then on how what's going to change about software sales and how we approach software sales? Uh, you know, if I would have an answer to this one, uh, I would be rich. Mm -hmm. uh, um, we'll see. I I personally believe what I can see right now is that customers and prospects go back to the good old uh, rules of interaction and how to how to interact with each other it I, I see this and i love it because it's really where they want to have conversation they want to understand how it is i mean it all started when when every company started having try coming up with RF, rfps i mean every salesperson hates rfps because what they try to do is to ask uh, you know the typical thing when you have the the bear the elephant uh, and the monkey and saying hey we make it even for everyone. You have to tr uh, t uh, climb the tree. That's an RFP in yeah. the end of the day. Where you say, okay, and by the way, just price counts. And it doesn't. And and I think this this one barrier uh, the industry brought up is standing in the way to give the best solution for the problem because they try to make sure they nivellate it, say only price is counting. And then you start having crazy things you're trying out. So... I see that that this is coming back, especially now because we had just in, in my area, we had the crypto winter. We have uh, in general, the, the, you know, the macro economy is not the best in the moment. You see, oh, holy cow, uh, money is, is something uh, we need to six, uh, think about six times before we spend it. Better spend it on the right one, where before that it was easy. We, we had, they had enough money. They said, okay, let's go for the most fancy one or who was the first one or whatever. And nowadays the business cases are there. 
and this is coming back where people need to understand okay what else what comes after six months what is when when something goes wrong and all this kind of stuff so i think the the good old traditional way is coming back a little bit which is which i like to be honest nice and so obviously you know originally it was all about relationships right mm -hmm. selling was all relationships mm -hmm. and then it kind of you know they started to build more structure just to kind of defend against that now we're kind of seeing a lot more kind of product-led growth yes um so you're seeing a lot more kind of top down sorry top up selling so a lot of kind of try before you buy open source mm. you know we're seeing all of that initiative how do you see that then playing out do you think it's going to come back full circle or do you think that that's going to really dominate and what what what, what what's your impression of that it, it it belongs always it's always tied to the uh maturity of the company so for a startup i think this this try and buy thing is perfect because you can find out okay does the product work but think about it this way every every company or let's say not every but I would say maybe 90% is everyone wants to go into the enterprise level and above. You can't buy an enterprise product just on product-led growth. It doesn't work. I'm, I'm again, happy to have the discussion with other people. It doesn't work. And the, the other thing is, of course, it is a very nice way of avoiding the, the very expensive sales organization in your team. That's why many founders start with that and say, I don't need sales. A, it's not true, and B, it's it's a little bit short thinking because you might not need a sales team of 20 prima donnas running around. I get this, but you need sales. You need to have this and also what happens after the sales. So now you have product-led growth that someone bought something. What What's next? Who's taking care of it? You can't. You need someone then to be the red telephone. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm saying is this. Um, that's why the customer success manager function came up, which we called in my days technical account managers. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's always a thing where you say, okay, someone needs to be there. I can call when something goes wrong. And dear Mr. Um, entrepreneur, dear Mr. Founder, do you want to do this 24-7? You might like this in the first two years, but then you need people for this to scale and get these things done. So product growth for me personally is always something to uh, build pipeline, get the first customers in. But as soon as someone... Listen, it belongs to which what, what you sell. But if it is something which where the customer puts his business on, they will not just go via a system, right? You can buy something like Outlook or something like this on product growth, but you're not taking a invoicing system or something like this. You need to understand how this works. You need to understand and this this, and you need the experience and uh, if it is allowed to say so, the tribal knowledge, how to use it. Mm. And um, that's I'm a, I'm a big believer in this. So do you think that's going to change the profile of the salesperson? Obviously, traditionally, it was all about horsepower, you know, get through that resilience. You know, are we seeing kind of that there's going to be a different type of sales yes. profile as a result of that? Yes, definitely. So this, this, this classical uh, sales thingy is gone, right? Not really gone, but that's why I said there's a few things I, I, I sometimes would love to have it back. There's a few things I'm more than happy that they are gone, right? So this this pressure selling stuff and all this kind of stuff. Um, I I have to say I miss my faxes which we had. Well, <laughs> that's a different that's a, that's for a whole different episode. I'm quite sure. Um, but um, now you're absolutely right. Uh, the, the the way how f of uh, the DNA of salespeople needs to change or did change already. Um, I think it's always like a pendulum. So we came from the very aggressive 
Salesforce thingy where you know where you this guy was on 200 kilometers and I had one colleague once who uh, we, we drove to a customer and in Germany you're allowed to drive a little bit faster so we had 250 kilometers per hour he had a list in his hand his mobile phone and he started cold calling while we did it doing this <laughs> like and I unbelievable very aggressive uh, you can't do this nowadays anymore so that means um, the interaction with customers needs to be different and it needs to be on a much higher educated level and it needs to be on a much better subject matter expertise discussion as well because it's not just that you go in there and say hey my name is Oli by the way this is my dear friend pre-sales colleague uh, enjoy mm. that's not working because customers nowadays and that's the point our customers and prospects coming towards us and I, I no matter it is uh, on feedaway today or other companies they know what they want the edu the 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 amount of knowledge they have for what they need is completely different. So this is something where you our selling or the way how you interact with the customer needs to be start six months before you even have the first interaction with the person. So it's a different way of doing this. And when they then come to you, you need to understand okay, how can I how can I guide this person towards my solutions? And stop talking about solutions. Understand first and then and also um, customers nowadays are uh, they can pick from everything. I mean, you, you get there's so much out there nowadays. There's not much blue ocean anymore. So obviously, we were talking initially around the kind of the whole kind of blade logic blueprint, right? The whole kind of John McMahon. Yeah. Does that stand up in this modern conversation in terms of the way you're now interacting with your customers? Um, again, it belongs to uh, which which let's say which vertical you are in, what what you are selling. Uh, I I still believe that the core of what we had that time is still valid nowadays that the idea of how we do things are still valid we names change right so i was an account manager in the early days this is now account executors it's the same thing you have one person who's in charge for the for the overall relationship you need someone who understands the solution from both sides and how to uh, interpret this for the customer and vice versa so um so this will not change. And also, and the other thing is really is that uh, it's more, let's say, consultative selling nowadays because the, the complexity of the problems we need to solve are much bigger nowadays because it becomes a business problem and not just a pure technology problem. As I said, belongs to, if you're, of course, in the infrastructure, it's still very clear to, yeah, but think about it this way. My time when I was at BMC Software, you had HP on the other side. So all the server management stuff, which is played logic as well, staying there. This was a battle, right? There was, okay, I, listen, I can give you 10 seconds faster, the implementation or whatever. Nowadays, that doesn't count. It's a different story. The whole solution needs to enable the customer to get faster business, save money in the business, all this kind of stuff. So it's all connected to the business instead of the pure IT stuff or this kind of stuff. So the classical ways. And because you don't have to, listen, when I, my job training was I learned assembler. That means I had to deal with how many bytes I can use for my program, right? So I learned something um, serious in my early days. So nowadays you don't care about this one. You just snap your finger and you have another terabyte just around the corner. And um, that's why I said so over the whole journey I saw it's, it's a complete different story. Now, what happened over the last years was that the, the let's say, this, the state of, of, status of sales in a company 
shifted. And we had a, a long time where sales was always king. Now then many people try to get this away saying sales is something we need, but we don't really like. And I hope there's another way where we find some middle ground because it is needed. And it is a function which helps both sides to understand a little bit more. And yeah, I, I'm proud of that you can see I'm a, I'm a salesperson of, on thousand meters. I'm, I'm fine with that. It's okay. So obviously you're currently SVP at Unfido, mm -hmm. you know, so, so it's a great organization in the identity space. Just tell us a little bit about, you know, what, what you've been doing there and a little bit about the mission there that you've, you've, you've really been executing and building. Yeah, so on, on Fido is an, um, the identity verification. I, I, I just want to say it once. <laughs> and um, it's, it's, it's for us, it's especially, and, and again, this is a very volatile market. With one of, think about it this way. So when we had this crypto boom, right, when uh, Mr. Musk tweeted, we're still waiting for the next tweet, by the way. Now he owns it now. He can tweet something about, <laughs> so this whole market comes up back up again. It was it was like a that was like um, El Dorado, right? Where you said, okay, this is a gold rush, everyone was going, and I'm just taking this thing, and startups came up like this all over the place, and they were so fast, they made decisions because Onfido is in a very highly regulated market, otherwise we wouldn't use it, right? So um, people love and hate us a little bit, but. And Onfido was was uh, and still is, uh, is is one of the market leaders because of an amazing product, and the way how to interact with customers is a 360. We're taking care of the customer. We we make sure if something goes wrong, we are still there. We, and then we ask later whose fault or who, and that's something customers need now. Um, and you see that we did something right because of the last two three years there are so many competitors coming up. Fast, I call them. And there are a few ones that are ankle biters, a few other, they all have amazing solutions. But the issue is always it's all fine as long as everything is good. When something goes wrong, or you all of a sudden you get a spike in, in, in checks or something like this, um, who can, who's there to help you? And that's where Onfido um, is, is one of the rocks, I would say. And sales wise, it, was, it, it is a very interesting journey right now due to the fact that. Uh, in the beginning, when I joined three years ago, three and a half years ago, uh, it was really the hottest thing on the market. And customers came to us. They knew exactly what they wanted. And we just had to support them to find the right solution. And nowadays, it's because they, they need to turn every money uh, coin. Um, we need to start selling proactively. Uh, that means we need to Tell them why you have to go with uh, Onfido and why it makes sense to commit to this, all this kind of stuff. And that's, um, that's a transition we are in in the moment to help us, in, including myself and, and, and my, my, my sales colleagues, um, to adapt to the market situation where crypto winter, so they don't spend that much money anymore and they definitely don't spend money for cocktails anymore because they need to have business cases now. Or... 80% of the customers I uh, in the crypto space I uh, we won over the last two years are not existent anymore or merged with others, all this kind of stuff because it's a very volatile market. Um, or um, the startups nowadays or the whole seasoned uh, customers we have when you think about micro um, mobility and all this kind of stuff. Um, the, a, 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 um, a business like Onfido is tied directly to the success of the customers, which is awesome. So because that means when something goes right, we can grow. 
And if it goes on the other way, we also need to find a way to support our customers. And um, that's a little bit different, sometimes a little bit like a shock when something like that hits. But hey, um, that's that's what it is. So it's, and I personally believe that's, um, that's the beauty of our job is that you have very interesting heights and sometimes you have the lows. And then coming back to management, if you have the right management team around you, uh, um, you go through this uh, storm together mm. because the branch itself is right now in a because of the co- economy is down. Uh, we feel this, of course, as well. Uh, but managing this in the right way is the most important thing, in my personal opinion. I think this is a perfect uh, time to kind of reflect on what we've uh, what we've heard today because it has been a really, really. Uh, amazing time spending with you to you know hear your story and hear your insights and I think just to kind of take some of the things that really resonated with me the most is that sales has changed it has evolved but actually it has this very unique way of still remaining such a core part irrelevant of what happens in the macro economy in the micro economy Mm -hmm. technology changes technology evolves Um, buying behaviors change, but actually sales has this way of really adapting and still finding its very, very core place at the center of 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 the world, of the economy, and 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 to really kind of drive to drive change. I, I think the other thing that really resonated was when we were we spoke a lot about kind of cultures and 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 the kind of different cultures. Um the the European, the Japanese, the the kind of American culture and how, you know, Despite the fact that you know the world has become a much smaller place, yeah. um, there's still massive differences, and, and and the approach has to be different. But at the same time, we are seeing more of a kind of a convergence and and, and a learning and sharing of kind of best practices throughout the world. So I think yeah. you know th- these are some of the things that I've really really taken, and just really want to thank you for your time Absolutely. and uh, for coming down and spending time in the studio with us it's been uh, it's been re- really really great spending this time with you today thanks for having me it was a pleasure absolutely yeah. absolute pleasure ollie so to all our listeners thank you so much for joining um please do subscribe to our various channels itunes spotify and youtube all the links are in the description below and we look forward to welcoming you back for another session soon thank you <laughs>